Trade unions representing 385,000 civil servants have been invited to talks on a new public sector pay deal next week. But before agreeing to sit down to talks, they have been asked they have asked for assurances from the government that emergency legislation introduced in 2009 will be fully removed. They claim the legislation gives the government a veto over any locally agreed deals and they say they want to restore industrial relations to the position which applied before the 2009 emergency legislation was introduced. Well, we're joined in the studio now by the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Pascal Donoghue. Minister, good afternoon and welcome um, to the programme. Good afternoon to you and your listeners, Justin. Um, are you willing to provide the, the unions with the assurances that they're, they're looking for, that they want you to remove the last remaining elements of the 2009 FEMPI legislation, the elements which they say give your department a veto over locally agreed deals? I am willing to engage on that issue uh, with the public service unions. We want a new agreement. We want an agreement that will provide stability regarding uh, pay in the future. But we also want a deal that's deal that is in the best interests of the Irish taxpayer. Uh, so I am willing to engage in the matter. I don't believe it's uh, kind of helpful for me to be laying down preconditions uh, on the eve of, I hope, entering into negotiations with the unions and their leaders. But as I said, I'm willing to engage on that matter in the context of the Workplace Relations Commission process that I hope can begin uh, shortly. OK, but the unions are telling us today that it is their position that the Workplace Relations Commission is not the appropriate forum to negotiate that element of, of uh, the deal or to get that assurance um, uh, over the line. It, it requires, they say, direct negotiation with the government outside of the, the WRC. Well, I hope the fact <clears throat> that I'm giving an indication today that I'm willing to engage on this issue uh, will allow us then to define the processes by which we can do this. If you look at the remaining pieces of the FEMPI legislation that the trade union organisations are referring to, uh, the fact is uh, it has had no influence on the industrial relations environment of the last number of years. The fact is that we've been able to have uh, the Building Momentum Agreement implemented and deal with a number of issues in the context of this with that piece of FEMPI legislation still on the statute Is books. that the case though, Minister? Because I mean, if you take, for example, a dispute like the retained firefighters or medical scientists or even there are some local authority uh, disputes, pre-2009 pre those could all have been sorted out locally. Uh, but because of that legislation, your department has to sign off on anything that happens in relation to, to those disputes. Isn't the Department right? of Finance before 2009 would have had to sign off on those agreements as well. It's no different now. Uh, the resolution of those issues before 2009 and indeed now uh, is not impeded by the legislative framework that is in place. It will always be the case uh, that the key economics departments uh, have to sign off on any agreement that has the effect on public pay. That would have been the case before the global financial crisis. It remains the case now. It doesn't have anything to do with the FEMPI legislation. Are, are you disappointed that the unions have not yet formally accepted your, your offer for talks and that they're waiting for these assurances to be provided before they'll go into discussions? I cannot, I, I've been through these kind of processes on countless times before and expressing disappointment or joy, I think, is b beside the point. 
I want to engage uh, with the public service leaders on the future of public pay. It won't be at any cost. I anticipate these discussions are going to be demanding, are going to be tough. But I want all our public servants to know where they're going to stand next year with their pay. I want us to know where they will stand with their pay so we can go on with the efficient planning of our public services. And these kind of engagements or discussions tend to be a feature of trying to get an agreement. And as I said, my key point is that we are willing to engage in the matter. I don't believe it has been an impediment in industrial relations over the last number of years, uh, but we are willing to discuss this as an issue. Are you hoping to conclude a deal, a pay deal, before the end of this year? Well, that would be my hope. Uh, I do recognise that as each day goes by and as each week goes by, it becomes a more demanding deadline to meet. Uh, All that being said, in other pay agreements I've been involved in, it has been possible to get resolution over a number of good, over a number of weeks with good faith and commitment from both sides of the table. I'm sure that will be supplied again and we'll certainly make every effort to reach an agreement that's inside the parameters that I mentioned a moment ago. And do you want this to be a multi-annual deal to stretch over a number of years or will this be a one-year agreement? Well, the last number of agreements that we've done have either been multi-annual in nature or have been an extension of an existing agreement. Um, And while that would be my preference again, the key thing is, is that it is affordable for everybody. You know, you mentioned the really important point regarding how many public servants this covers. It's 385,000 of all those who are in our classrooms, in our schools, keeping us safe uh, on our streets. Uh, but the pay bill itself is 24 billion euro. It's one out of every three euro that we spend. And making sure that any agreement that we reach is affordable in the years to come is the key thing for me because that's fair to the public servants themselves. Okay, but I I suppose uh, timing is everything. And if if it were only to be a one-year agreement that, that was reached, that would give the unions a lot of power, wouldn't it? Because we'd be back again around the talks table this time next year, uh, just weeks before, possibly even a week or two before a general election. But God knows what kind of economic environment we would be in. Uh, and uh, in fairness, I have to say, in engaging with uh, the uh, leaders of the public service unions now over many years, Uh, I think the key thing that guides them is the interests of their members, as would be the case in any union organisation. And they're also aware of the economic conditions of both of our country and the world beyond. Uh, And uh, I need hardly say, and you're going to be touching on these topics during your programme, that we're in a very uncertain and volatile world at the moment. I'm not sure uh, what that world will look like in a year's time. While I have every confidence to believe the Irish economy will continue to grow, and I do believe that, I think there's also a merit in getting an agreement now if it is affordable and if an agreement can be found. All right. I want to ask you about uh, RTE. This week, as we know, uh, the government said that it would provide €56 million in funding to RTE, provided RTE meets certain targets, some of which have been outlined by the Director General Kevin Backhurst in his strategic vision for RTE this week. Uh, Can I ask you, first of all, does the plan which was outlined by Mr Backhurst convince you that RTE is getting its house in order and can be trusted to spend public money wisely? So I think there are going to be two elements of this. Uh, Number one, does the plan itself 
when agreement is reached on it uh, within the RTE organisation, is the plan going in the right direction? And then secondly, can it be implemented? And my judgment and that of the government is the plan itself is clearly going in the right direction, is recognising some of the changes that we need to make with regard to public service broadcasting. That therefore leads on to the second point, Justin, then, which is then assurances that it is being implemented. And I really should say that the conditions that I have in mind regarding in particular the release of €40 million Euro to RTE for next year, the conditions for that really will only be about, but will be about, RTE doing what it has said itself it wants to do. Uh, this is the conditionality here will be about the implementation of those reforms that RTE itself is committing to, uh, because I continue to believe the independence of public broadcasting and how it's organised is very fundamental uh, to our democracy. Part of the announcement this week uh, involved the introduction of a salary cap. No one will earn more than €250,000. We know that will apply to a small number of presenters who work in RTE. Um, but, but not until their contracts expire. Would you like to see those people step up now and perhaps before the expiration of their contracts volunteer for a cut in line with that cap? That's a matter for them and it's a matter for the uh, RTE and for the Director General of RTE. Uh, I'm not really going to get into naming individual broadcasters or journalists. I don't believe that is appropriate. Uh, anybody who goes behind the microphone uh, that you're located behind at the moment, Justin, um, is playing an important role in public service broadcasting and in journalism. The direction is very, very clear, uh, as has been laid out for RTE, regarding where they want to get to their wage structures. And it's really up now to okay. senior management and journalists to get to that point. Okay. But it's not helpful if government ministers start naming individuals or journalists. Uh, that's not a path I'm going to go down. OK, I, wa I want to ask you about the longer term funding for RTE. There, there, there's been, as we know, a sharp fall off in the numbers of people paying the, the licence fee down around €14 million Euro this year. Um, there is a suggestion in the Mail on Sunday newspaper today that the revenue commissioners um, would collect the licence fee in the future and that there was some support politically around the cabinet table for that measure. Is that under consideration? It will be one of the options that will be considered, that has been considered before. Uh, it was been looked at uh, before. Uh, and the rejected before. Yes, it was rejected before and so that, will have to, that will have to be considered again. And the reason why it was rejected before, uh, and I would indeed have some reservations about it, but I am willing to look at it, is because the Revenue Commissioner only collects taxes. And there's a really important difference between the tax and the law behind tax and something that is a charge. Uh, the Revenue Commissioner collect the taxes of the state and they have a body of law and power behind them for doing mm -hmm. that. And I myself, and I'll do it again, said we have said we should just tread really carefully before we expand their remit into other areas of revenue collection. Are you saying then you have not changed your view uh, on that? You, you don't believe revenue should collect the TV licence fee? Well, that's actually will be a matter for the Minister for Finance and Minister McGrath in consultation uh, with, with government and with party leaders. Mm. The matter is going to be considered, uh, uh, but there are pros and cons in relation to it. That's all I'm saying. But, uh, it's, but you are saying it's back on the table. Well, the Minister Martin has already said that options will be considered and all options will be considered. So if I was to say we're not going to look at us, it would probably uh, challenge the credibility of a statement uh, that the government itself has made. It will be considered, but there aren't any easy options here. 
every option will have pluses and minuses okay. and that is a particular option that has that feature. Okay, and you've made your view known on on, on that. What's your preferred option for the long-term funding of RTE? Uh, I look at the paper that is brought forward by Minister Martin in relation to the matter. Um, I haven't made my mind up finally on it, but I have three criteria in mind that will guide me to it when I make a decision on 2024. The first criteria is uh, I do not believe that any government should be involved in allocating and determining how much money a state broadcaster should get. The independence of the revenue to the state broadcaster from ministers such as myself is an essential element of public service broadcasting. Number two, uh, I believe we should have a method of collecting this that delivers a compliance rate that is at least in line and not ahead of where we are at the moment. And then number three, there's still a very large amount of revenue coming in from the television licence at the moment. We should not be walking away from that. That has to be a feature of how we continue to collect revenue in the future. So the three ways I look at it. The decision isn't going to be made until early next year. My focus is on the implementation of the 56 million euro. And that's how I look at the the different options. All right. Um, the, the European Commission Minister is predicting a contraction in the Irish economy this year for the first time in over a decade, due in large part, I think, to a downturn in the, the pharmaceutical sector. Are you concerned? Uh, I am concerned about the state of the global economy and I'm never complacent about the performance of the Irish economy. Uh, however, if I look at where we are at the moment, I still expect our economy to grow by around 2% this year, the domestic economy, and by around 2% next year. And I'm confident for next year we'll have even more people at work in Ireland next year than we do this year. So I believe we will continue to perform strongly, but we cannot just take that performance for granted. And uh, it will be a really important issue for the remainder of this government and the next regarding how in particular we sustain those high levels of employment. Are you saying then that this contraction, this downturn, short-lived maybe, um, that it won't result in cuts for people in austerity like we've seen in the past? Oh, I think the... Uh, so I think any minister or any politician who gives absolute guarantees to voters or to listeners that things can never happen again in the future uh, is really not being credible. Uh, so I'll just give you my best judgment. I'm very confident that if we keep on making the decisions that we've made over the last number of years, that we can avoid the really harsh moments that we all dealt with a number of years ago and that we can continue to grow our public services. One of the reasons I'm so confident of our ability to do that we should be weary of giving guarantees is because we're running a budget surplus. Uh, myself, Minister McGrath, the Taoiseach has just spoken about mm. this uh, over many different years. So we should balance our books and then have a surplus. It's because we have that surplus. It now gives us the buffer we need when conditions may be changing. That's one of the best insurance policies that we can have to avoid the difficulties that damaged us so much over a decade ago. All right, Minister Pascal Donoghue, thank you very much indeed for talking to thank us Thank you, today. Justin. After the break, the life and times of Ben Dunn.